0: Up go the flags, Ireland are on the boards. Nine and a half minutes gone. It's Ireland three, New Zealand seven. Leonard Brown and then Bowden Barrett and then the pass and the offload and that is magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Oh, there it is. There's the try. Bobby scores the try. Beautiful
1: running and a sweet short pass into the hands of the Australian Flyhawk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another whack of the Fox Sports Rugby Podcast. Sean Maloney in the studio with Stephen Hoyle, Sam Worthington, and Christy Doran. A couple of technical difficulties, meaning that we have Wertho kicking off. Then we're going to catch up with our man on the ground in Dublin, Owen McHugh. And then we're going to wrap it up with Christy Doran on the other side of that. So to you, Wertho, and Horsey, how you doing?
2: I'm good, thank you. So we're going to have a finisher, not a a bench player. We're going to have a... Lindsay or Christie as he's formerly known as finish the podcast for us. I like it.
3: It's the modern game, isn't it? it. It's a couple of great Irish names. Owen McHugh and Christy Doran. And Sean Maloney. And Sean Maloney. No, sorry. That's Irish sorry, as. To, sorry to leave you out there. Irish
1: as. So, strong. fellas, we're, we're chipper. We're chipper because the Wallabies have played out one of the better test matches of 2016 and come away with a strong win against France at Stade Francais. Halsey, they were forced to do it tough coming down to that final scrum of the game, but they hung in there.
2: Well, they did, and as you said, it was a really entertaining game, and and such an important win for the side. And a lot of stuff was spoken earlier in the week or this time last week about you know the players that were picked, and was it a B side? But just a really good step in the right direction for Australian rugby, I believe, giving a lot of guys an opportunity. And you know the likes of Godwin and yeah, all those guys that got Moraghan, their chance. Moirahan, all doing. Latu,
3: all doing really well. Who else were we missing out on? Were they? Oh look, you've. Covered the big dogs there, I think. Who else are we missing on the wing? We had Nivali played well, not on
1: yep. debut, starting debut. For McMahon Nivelle came Nivelle. back in the side. It you know, was in there. Pocock
2: went back to number seven and had an enormous game so yep. just a really good game and a really I think in um you
3: know the, the cycle of a side I think it's a really important step for the Wallabies. Yeah it's worked out perfectly for Michael Checker, hasn't it um, he, he took a risk by making all these changes if they'd lost he would have copped a, a bit of stick I don't think you know people could understand his rationale but he still would have copped a bit of stick so to win that game um, carry on the winning momentum as well as freshen up all those key players um, It's it's worked out magnificently for him
2: and if they had lost that game on the death like you know we were fearing because it came down to the wire everyone would have come out and said oh they didn't have the experience the experienced players would have closed that game out so i'm just uh not not relieved because we played some some really good footy against the side that also mm. played some good rugby and it's a hard place to win everyone knows that going over to, to to paris and beating the french they're an unpredictable side and they played some really good footy too so um it's exciting now we've got a midweek game tomorrow morning our time five
1: Oh, Aussie, Aussie bar bars V the French barbars. Yeah,
2: Yeah That'll be an awesome game I think And an, an opportunity For the likes of Dempsey, Kellaway Tong and Thor These guys get their
3: First crack in a senior Aussie jersey. Yeah, it's very interesting, uh, Wallaby 15. that The names are uh, the likes of Ben Mowen, um, a forgotten man over there in France. He's going to have a run. And, and of course, uh, Kaurabidi on the wing, our first look at him um, in the rugby game. So, yeah, uh, another great chance to, to build depth for all these players. And, and, yeah, a few blasts from the past in there as well. I want to go back to the game, though. At Stade Francais, like you say, well, Wallsie, massive,
1: massive crowd, hooping and hollering and whistling and waving the Le Bleu flags. But it wasn't enough to unsettle. And I want to touch on him because I think we just glossed over it. Kyle Godwin making his introduction into Test Rugby. A number of us have been calling this for a long, long time. Many had envisaged him as a walk-up centre after he started for the Aussie Schoolboys and Aussie 20s back in the day. He'd gone off the boil over at the Western Force, has come across to the Eastern Seaboard, played with the New South Wales Country Eagles in the NRC, and will play with the Brumbies next year. He has finally realised some of that potential that we had been crying for so long about.
3: Yeah, he looked pretty composed, didn't he? He clearly enjoys the physical side of the game um, and doesn't shirk any of his work there. And he had a... a Tough ask as well with Wesley Fafana on the other side. Um, he kept him under wraps for most of the game he, in, the, in the second half when it opened up a bit. Fafana made a, a few breaks. But, yeah, Godwin, I think, overall, can count himself uh, very happy wi- with his debut. And, and there's a lot of centre options now. Obviously, Reese Hodge is, is taken to test rugby well. Samu Karevi, um, a real weapon as well. So, yeah, uh, you know, next year when all these guys are fit and available, there's going to be some real uh, head-scratches.
2: Yeah, it was so pleasing to see the, the smile on Kyle's face. we have seen the interviews after the game, and he was he was delighted. He was on a tour a few years ago, and we all thought that he would have been a Wallaby by now. And there was even, um, you know, I know that he spoken spoken himself. He thought his time might have passed. That's why he made that big move to leave the Western Force to you know, kick-start his career. And he, he's done it a little bit earlier by the help of the Country Eagles at the NRC. But not a, not an easy position for someone to make their de- debut in, especially starting at number 12. The way the Wallabies play, um, that's that number 12 is a, a distributing role and he doesn't have that role at the Western Force. He's got that skill set, but we haven't seen him play that. So uh, he had to come in and not only play the, the direct and tough role that number 12 does, but also has to have a voice and, and help organise the the side with Bernard Foley. And the other thing that w- hasn't been mentioned is that Quade Cooper is who he trained with all week as the number 10. He withdrew the day of the game, so he, he had to jump in with Bernard Foley who he's had zero Experience with, so I thought that was just another sign of his maturity to be able to time tie in well with Bernard Foley and help control the guys and and come down to the wire and you need a bit of composure and a young guy does it at number 12. And
1: you know he's he's never going to miss tackles because essentially that's what he became at the Western Force through the back end of his time over. He was just there (laughs) to to defend, make shots. That's all he did was make shots in defence. And as you say, Halsey, he has got such a lovely long passing game as well having had played fly half in his junior days. So Kyle Goblin does well. Bernard Foley was excellent again. He, I tell you what, he's just kicked on QF one. That was the trigger point. QF one goes to the northern hemisphere and just starts braining
3: them like he did this time last year.
2: Yeah, the Nardster loves the northern hemisphere, doesn't he? He's a mud runner, the
3: little Nard- pig. Nard doll. Yeah. the whole uh, the whole Wallabies team seems to be going pretty well up north at the moment. Do we need to start taking some of these uh, home games and, and planting them at Twickenham and uh, Millennium Stadium? Just play the letters those up there. That's it just it, yeah. it just
2: goes to show, like you know, we play the All Blacks more than any other side, and and they're clearly superior in the form at the moment so it's probably not a great indication of where the Wallabies sit every tri-nations because we beat South Africa at home pretty easily we lose them slightly away we beat the Argies so we just um you know we go up north and I just think we're we're a better side than most teams in the northern hemisphere but we just don't play them enough
3: yeah you're right and it's yeah very interesting this weekend I think it's pretty clearly New Zealand one England two but Australia Ireland um sort of Really hammering tongs for that third spot at the moment and, and maybe closing the gap a little bit on England as well. So, uh, yeah, I know we'll uh, we'll obviously get to that game shortly, but uh, h- huge for the, the ranking points there.
1: And again, the captain, David Pocock, he had the armband, the C, the skipper armband with Stephen Moore coming off the bench. That guy was unbelievable against the French. He has his best games against the French. What you notice about Dave
2: Pocock is that there's been times this year where I've said he hasn't had the same impact on the ball that he normally does, and that's against the Kiwis and the South Africans because they're so used to playing against him and, and that's one of the the negative things about playing side so often is you get to work out players and you learn to shut them down. So against the Kiwis and the South Africans he doesn't get the opportunities to get on the ball, which is the best in the world out. But against the French in particular, the way they play, they play a lot of offloading games, so they're generally a little bit more unstructured in their support lines to the breakdown are a little bit late, so they open up a lot of opportunities. So you, you play like the French do, and it's high risk, high reward, and the reward is obviously the flair, and the, it's really hard to read, but the the risk you take with that is that sometimes you allow world-class on-ballers to have a crack, and when David Pocock gets there first, he very rarely gets cleaned out. So he was enormous, and it was just um, a massively courageous performance, and maybe it's one of those things that makes Michael Checker go, wow, do I, do I have to maybe look at playing... Hoops in a different position and given Poe more opportunities to get first crack of that ball. I'm not sure. I know you've got to have Hooper in your side, but there might be another role
3: for Hoops in, with Poe there. Yeah, we've got to v- enjoy him while he lasts, of course, because he won't be there next season. Um, and he will be hugely missed because Hooper and McMahon, they're great players, but very different players um, don't have those on-ball strengths. And with Liam Gill um, in, in Toulon carving up uh, over there, by all accounts, that, that obviously is an area that, uh, that that will be sorely missed. And, yeah, I think Pocock, with the, with the captaincy next to his name as well, um, possibly just takes his game to another level. So, yeah, reassuring um, for Checker down the line that uh, if anything happens to Moore, let's face it, he's not the youngest man, um, Pocock would be a great camp candidate to be a full-time captain of Australia, I, I believe. It's a
1: good point you make around Poe only having two games left in Wallabies colours because we won't see him in 2017 at all in Australian colours. I'm right in saying that, aren't I? Yeah. No, like no it,
3: Wallabies for a year. No Wallabies for a year. He yeah. might always change that. He might uh, start missing and come back. Who, who knows how he's going to spend his year. I'm not, not too sure. It's about the it, sabbatical about next stage. year, isn't it? Yep. He goes off to Japan and plays
2: a few um, Off months. the back of the spring tour. Yeah. And then he has, after that season, finishes in about... February or March that's when he takes his six or five or six or seven months off and he's going to go to the States he's going to go to Africa he's going to do some work with his conservation stuff and um, save the rhinos and all that sort of stuff he's he's big on and he'll do that and then a little bit of training starting in the US I believe and then he'll go back to Japan in about um, September October next year and then we'll come back to the brumbies for okay, and the wallabies after that.
3: You've got a sole itinerary. What, That's good year? work. Yeah,
2: we were in manager. South Africa recently, and <laughs> his, ma- his manager Brian Levin was in South Africa, giving us a bit of a rundown Is of right? what he's going to do. So it's um, it's a big mental break for him. We'll see how he goes. He's, he's you know what he's like. He's very passionate about his humanitarian work. So he's got, I think he's going to go and learn how to be, um, like a game park host, and you know get right into the. The whole wildlife thing's back in Africa
1: and Zimbabwe, where he's from. I pity awesome. the poacher that Poe crosses. <laughs> Imagine just being a poacher, just out for a little bit of tusk. The ball poacher, this is the tusk poacher. Thinking I'm just getting to catch myself a rhino and he or he comes a white rhino pocock out of the bush and just, just charging. comes charging at you. <laughs> That'd be he comes release charging the, at you. <laughs> Release the horn. Oh, mate. <laughs> he, he, you, you'd be looking left and right, wouldn't you, if Poey came charging. Well, they've all
2: got guns, those poachers. I guess they just matter. put one in their own knee and... Take himself
1: out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wouldn't help you. Um, last one uh, on debut as well. Luke Morahan, another guy we saw shine in the NRC, had some starting excellent. Starting debut. Starting debut. Yeah. Correct. Um, had some excellent touches at the weekend and, and just showed that acceleration, that blinding turn of pace that he possesses.
2: Well, I love the fact that guys like Morahan get
1: another chance because,
2: for too often in Australian rugby, we think we give guys a crack when they're really young because they come out of school in great form and they play twenties and. They have a super five or six games in super rugby, so I go, I'll give them a Wallaby jersey. And this would happen a lot under Robbie Deans. A lot of these guys got jerseys early. And everyone knows, like, you go through a playing career, you always know you're a better player at the end of your career than you were at, this, at your start. You're much more mature. Moraghan's a great example. And the fact that he's been given that chance and he's shown that he's capable of it, like, that's that's perfect for Australian rugby because in any given test now, if Michael Checker would be comfortable throwing... Morahan in because he shows that maturity and, and I'm just glad that guys are like Godwin, you know, they were given a, a snippet a couple of years ago but given another crack a few years later and they're they're all, you know, relishing that chance and doing well. They've come through the
1: other side beautifully, you might say.
3: And just uh before we wrap up that game, uh, Tolu Latu pretty impressive as well. Uh Phil War had huge raps on him leading into the game on Fox Sports News, called him one of the best hookers in the world already, and he does have enormous potential and, and upside, doesn't he? He's just, you know, been sort of bothered by injury and, and I guess Taft's been in front of him at the Tars as well. So, um, yeah, your, your thoughts on, on his game? Scrummaging. What are your thoughts on his scrummaging?
2: Uh, like all good hookers, they'll imp- they'll, sorry, all young hookers, they'll improve as time goes on with scrummaging, but he's naturally very strong, with, which helps. So, um, what I liked about Ta- um, Toller this year is that he sat behind Taft, he had a couple of injuries. Hugh Roach jumped him at the Waratahs. So he really only got the NRC and the club footy to prove himself, and he was probably told to go and get fitter and work harder because he, he's got such a unique skill set. He was, Believe it or not, he was a 5'8 when he first started playing, you know, 15, 16s, um, and he was obviously too big for that position. So he's just he, he's gone away and he's worked hard, he's got himself fit, and the skill set that he showed in club rugby and in our NRC, not many guys can do it. He's got great offloading skills, a, a really talented young footy player who's who's worked out, I think, that you can't just be talented, you've got to also go and work hard and a, a big Tongan guy has got to make sure he stays fit and trim and and he's he's really well supported on that tour. You've got likes of Izzy and Sakopi Kepu that are good mentors for him. Cliffy Palu has been similar for him. So just starting to see, I think he's just starting to realise his potential and, and realise what, what he needs to do to, to play at that level and, and that's great for Australian rugby that we'll have Taft in Australia next year, Squeak Antolo and Tolo and Chiba Hansen's on tour. So we're also always,
1: all of a sudden, starting to talk about depth in every position for the Wallabies. They are well-placed for this weekend's clash against Ireland. So this is a perfect opportunity, man, for us to bring in our man on the ground in Dublin, a dear, dear friend of mine, Owen McHugh. I want you to take me back to Chicago, where your side, the Irish, rolled the All Blacks, first time in 111 years, and you were there, buddy.
0: Listen, Sean, it was one of the best weekends you'll ever have not just in terms of rugby, but you've got to remember the Cubs had won the World Series for the first time in 108 years. Ireland, as you say, rolled the old Blacks for the first time of trying. And the weather was fantastic. It was absolutely gorgeous, spammy weather. So as Kent Brockman would say, if that's the cost of climate change, don't mind if I keep my old <laughs> Pontiac.
1: Hey, <laughs> it, um, it was great to see so many green jerseys throughout the uh, staying there at Soldier Field. Actually, speaking of Simpsons, took me back to the St. Patrick's Day celebration in the Simpsons back in Season 6. Green everywhere. Why were there so many on hand to watch that historic moment?
0: Listen, I, uh, Chicago is a great Irish town. Um, it's not long of a flight it's not even eight hours over to Chicago and um, it's, it's a great city who wouldn't want to travel there but I think Shawnee just beyond beating the All Blacks and beyond having a great party in, uh, in Chi-Town it was more about finally we've Ireland have you know knocked that off their backs and uh, I think Ireland have been knocking on the door at saying listen we are one of the best teams in the world for so long and now it was their time to actually say well you know what we told you so. Joe Schmidt has been in charge for the last few years. In 2013, they should have beaten New Zealand. Uh, you know, it was a last-minute try that, that, uh, that, that floored Ireland, and it really did floor them. I think they really were, you know, really disappointed that they couldn't beat the, the All Blacks. They had beaten Australia. They would beaten South Africa regularly. They won the Six Nations. They, they were really looking for that scab, and it was more relief rather than joy that weekend in Chicago.
1: Uh, It was brilliant to watch from all the way down here in Oz as well. Uh, Fast forward a couple of weeks in the rematch and that steady run of points that helped them win against New Zealand in Chicago dried up at home. What went wrong, in your opinion, last week for the Irish?
0: New Zealand were the better team on the day, and I think it's a bit disappointing to see some of the Irish media whinging about, you know, high shots and late shots and cheap tackles and, you know, yellow cards and what should have been red cards. The fact of the matter was, Ireland played against New Zealand with, at home, and for 20 minutes they had played against 14 men, and yet they didn't even score a try. It was 21 points nine. Ireland didn't get over the whitewash, and I think the players themselves. Admit that they were the second best team. I think the media have kind of sullied it a bit by talking about, you know, hits and and all this kind of thing. The fact of the matter is, on the day, they couldn't get over the whitewash. New Zealand scored and, and took their tries well and they were the better team on the day. And I think Joe Schmidt admits that. I think the players admit that. And and roll on Australia at the weekend.
1: Okay, so on that note, let's move across now into what's waiting for the Wallabies. Their Grand Slam hopes are still alive. Owen McHugh, they're up against an Irish side who've suffered a couple of injuries off the back of that All Blacks test. How big are those injuries for Ireland, perhaps pointing towards a green and gold victory?
0: Well, listen, Joe Schmidt said after the New Zealand test that losing your 10 and 12 so early, that's Johnny Sexton and Robbie Henshaw, was crucial uh, in, in, in not beating the All Blacks. They're not going to be there for the Wallabies test, and that's going to be a big, big one for for Ireland. Um, how the Wallabies react to that, you know, have they been kind of keeping that in mind? They rested a lot of players over the weekend when they beat France in Paris, and, you know, it's going to be a test. And, you know, I think a lot of people are saying here in, in, in Dublin, Shawnee, that if Ireland really want to prove that they're not just a one-trick pony by beating the All Blacks, they've really got to go out and prove that by beating Australia at the weekend. Australia are not here to make up the numbers, that's for sure. They have Ireland in their sights it's going to be a test match on Saturday.
1: Tell us about the replacements for those two key players for Ireland for Sexton and in Henshaw, and how dangerous are they for the Wallabies fans who get up early on Sunday morning?
0: Well, it's not been confirmed uh, who is going to play at 12 in, in replacement for Robbie Henshaw. At 10, Paddy Jackson came on for Johnny Sexton. Paddy Jackson's been doing great for Ulster. Let, let's not... Um, Uh, say anything else, but at the same time he's no Johnny Sexton, who is probably the Form 10 for the last couple of years in in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, He's got a massive job to do to pull strings against an Aussie backline that relishes playing open running rugby and if they get the chance to play that kind of open running rugby offloading in a tackle, then it's going to be a long day for Ireland. If Paddy Jackson can run his backline just as well, then On the flip side, it could be a really long day for Australia. Uh, So while Ireland are missing two key players, and maybe more because we don't know if CJ Standard can play at six or Rob Kearney can play at full back, um, if they're missing those 10 and 12, if the replacements are not up to it, as I said, it could be a long day in the Aviva for Ireland.
1: Okay, last one for you, mate. What kind of weather are you going to turn on for our men there in Dublin? What sort of conditions are we looking forward to?
0: Mate, I don't think you Aussies know how cold it is over <laughs> here in Dublin at the moment. It is absolutely Baltic. I mean, you know, it's the kind of weather, if you stand around long enough, you're just, your feet are stuck to the floor. And, and it's not even, we're not even really into winter at the moment, but it's a nice, balmy minus one, to plus one at the moment. Oh and that's kind goodness. of what, what, what you lovely uh, Wallabies can, can expect. Well, it's, yeah, it, the it's
1: around about 30 degrees today in Sydney and we're set for third, high 30s later in the week. So that gives you some kind of a feel as to what you're missing out down this neck of the woods. Owen McHugh, you know I love you. You know I love your country, men and women. I think it's fair to say most Aussies, most Aussies love the Irish, but we'll be happy to see you on the wrong side of the ledger on Sunday morning, our time, with the Wallabies continuing their unbeaten tour of Northern Hemisphere. That's how you see it going? Yeah, well obviously.
0: that uh, Yeah, well, big kisses to you too, Shawnee, <laughs> but I mean, obviously, no, none of us will be, uh, we don't have to stay up early in the, in, in the morning. Uh, it's it's a late afternoon kickoff for us, but I, I think it's going to be the biggest test for Ireland this year, really, outside of the All Blacks. Uh, Michael Cheka knows the players very well, he knows Dublin very well, um, and he wants to make a statement uh, at, at the end of the year, at, at the end of a long year, for the uh, Wallabies, so it's going to be a great test on on Saturday.
1: That said, you're tipping Ireland by how many?
0: (sighs) Oh, tough question. I'm going to go less, less than seven, mate.
1: Okay, tight one to play out in Dublin between the Wallabies and Ireland. Owen McHugh, thank you for your time, friend, and I will see you not long from now in the warm, warm weather of Dubai. Can't wait for it. Thanks to Owen McHugh there. He's a good fella. Owen does great things in the world of rugby. So plenty of pressure on Jackson this weekend. Wertho has stepped out and let Christy Doran at it. Christy, how do you see this matchup?
4: Well, gentlemen, nice to uh, nice to step in for, for Wertho. Uh, it's going to be a cracking contest, I think. Paddy Jackson showed his class throughout that three match test series against South Africa. And although, although the, the Springboks have been struggling of late, they're certainly um, pretty tough at home. And, and, and Jackson came um, into, the, into the squad ahead of... Uh, well, with um, Johnny Sexton being injured and and delivered a, a marvellous performance first up. He's a very good goal kicker. He's delivered it under pressure and they won that first test match. And then they almost won the second one and the third one was very competitive too. So he's, he's had runs on the board so far and um, up against Bernard Foley, it will be... Um, both, both guys are in form. Jackson came off the bench last weekend against the All Blacks and played 60 minutes and did, did a pretty good job. Um, we, we didn't see a whole heap of creativity um, against the All Blacks. They had a mountain of possession and territory. But I think what we found and saw there was that um, they both... They lost Sexton and Robbie Henshaw. And if you lose your 10 and your 12 and then you've got a new 10 and 12, come on, we haven't trained all week together... Um, it was tough for him, but he he handled that uh, exceedingly well.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen a huge amount of him, to be honest. But, again, you you know that they're always going to have two or three really solid players in that position. And, and what you find with the Northern Hemisphere 5 is that they control the game very well. So conditions play a huge part in it. It's freezing over there at the moment. Yeah, no that's cold. It's eh? One, two, one yeah.
1: degree, zero degrees. Yep. That's chilly, man. That seems to be
2: the theme that Ooh. the players are, are sending home. But... You know, the Wallabies are in good form. I know Ireland you know, knocked off the All Blacks a couple of weeks ago, but I think they're going to be a little bit um, worse for wear physically, a little bit drained after the, the trip and the big win in Chicago and, and having a a loss last weekend. But, again, they've got some class players. Like O'Brien came back last week. Their back row is solid. They're never easy to beat. Like, it's such an important
1: game. Huge crowd there. It'll be an absolute sellout, no doubt about that. What maybe will be the deciding factor is this improved Wallabies defence obviously with the benefit of so many games under their belt this year their first half was very good against France last week before the French scored some cracking tries it must be said they were some awesome tries in that second half so that defence coupled with Ireland's inability to break through the All Blacks last week and post points to their own surely that gives a little nod in the direction of the Wallabies
2: yeah it's interesting to take note the All Blacks on the weekend didn't compete hard at the ball I didn't didn't go crazy and and just almost had numbers in the line and just made their tackles hit hard still win that collision well but just basically showed them a a lot of defenders in the line and and when you do that and you you get to sit back a week after and watch a side lose maybe that's the template you follow and you go well I know that with Pocock and Hooper you go you do allow them to have a crack at the ball but um, if you just try and make your tackles numbers in the line it, it shows that some sides don't have too much variety and and maybe that'll be the case for the Irish this week.
4: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think their strength's probably in, in the forward pack. A lot of their attack comes off Conor Murray, so I think uh, the Wallabies will certainly want to shut down him as quick as possible. Um, but let's not forget, the Irish have got a couple of good players in, in that in that squad. I think Jared Payne's done pretty well at 13, and they've got Carney there at the back, and a couple of good guys on the wing with, with Trimble and... Um, and uh, Simon Zebo, so oh, they've got a fantastic side. Like, they beat the All Blacks two
2: weeks ago. I don't think anyone. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I and I love you know I love watching yeah. Australia we, v Island. We've had some great clashes over the years. Australia v Island. It's, it's an amazing doozies. place to go and play footy too. I like, love to get fantastic, there. And have a, I Was there in '97, long time oh, back. Yeah, it was yeah. cold, but it was awesome. Geez, yeah. I
2: love that joint. The Northern Hemisphere, like these games, are such. Such wonderful games, the rugby. Hey, anyone's out there, never been on a Wallabies end of year tour, go and get on one. This has been the one. If we
1: get to that Grand Slam, like I'd love to be in Twickenham next week if we're there undefeated. Aussies V, it's just something about Australia V Ireland. I don't know, just got a good vibe about it, I reckon. You go all the way back, you go all the way back to 91 when the Aussies bounced them out late in that quarterfinal of the World Cup and, you know, the Irish got behind the Aussies. Same thing happened in 99 with Ireland essentially out of the tournament. There's a great, great, there's a, there's a love there, I reckon. You I reckon know, there is. I don't know if they love us because of that, but everyone loves the
2: Irish, don't we? No, they? but you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. There's a lot. They beat us in the World Cup and eleven. There's a good natural rivalry there, and we don't get this. We don't get to play them a huge amount. We tend no. to play Wales and England yep. a lot more. So um, we need them out here, I think. We've well, you've got your, your Irish jumper on today. You got your lovely green cashmere. Yeah. Mm, certainly yeah. do. Mm. I was looking at it
4: with Werther the other mm. week. We've only had about six Irish Test matches uh, out here since the start of the century, so I, I mm. think it's it's I'd disappointing. Bring them back. I think it's disappointing. I think a three-match test series would be fantastic. Sydney has not hosted them in, any, in an age. Yeah. It's been Brisbane, Melbourne and Perth. I and oh, love them. Quite, quite honestly, I'd love to see them come out here for three tests. We've seen Wales and France come out yep. here previously. Love Bring em. the Irish. They're a competitive Make team. Make some phone people. calls, mate. Love love em. Em. Get, get,
0: a, get, a get on the blower, mate. Yeah. Get
1: on the blower and yeah. start
2: You could demanding. probably do it from WhatsApp this day, no, do you reckon? Just start 100%. WhatsApping a few
1: people over there. You want some numbers? Yeah. I'll get you... Get him. Paddy's number in Dublin. He'll sort it out. Get him over here, mate. Get him over here. Um, so there's that to look forward to this weekend. As Hozy said, Grand Slam is still on offer for the Aussies. A quick touch-up, guys, of the South Africa v Italy game last week. Forza Italia. Buono ragazzi. That was an amazing win. Two points. Doesn't matter. That's plenty when you're rolling South Africa. For I'm right in saying that's the first time. How long have those two sides been playing against each other? You know, like how far yeah, back are
2: Probably 40, 50 years, When you say? You reckon out yeah, that, that many yeah, years? I yeah, I'd think so. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's difficult to say with the apartheid and whatnot, but... Tough times yeah. for the South African Ooh, rugby. Yeah, no, it is. It's, um, tough times. It's
1: very tough. It's dark. and They've got the Wales this week. I reckon they might beat Wales. The oh, they have is, to.
2: They're all talking about mass changes and rolling. I've seen some terrible... I've seen a fan burn the jersey, you know, like... That's a bit much. Mate, they're just going through a rough trot. You don't burn the jersey like don't that. don't burn your jersey. I hope that... Like that burnt the jersey i hope when they turn it around and start winning i hope if he's seen it again he's kicked out you, that's just not what f- sport's about your team's going through a rough trot you got to ride with them you got to take the lows and the highs and they've got huge problems over there it's hard to keep players in south african rugby because of the the ran the ran is so cheap everyone's if you're a young south african player you can probably earn four or five times the amount just by going to a second division side in france like mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer so it's um th- their issues are far bigger than the issues that we understand here in Australian rugby, like we've got other codes that we compete against. Everyone's playing rugby in Africa, but everyone who's half decent is getting out of there by the time they're 20 because of the dollar and all the rand. So um, I feel for their coach because everyone's blaming him, but... Yeah, you know, they've got that many players playing overseas. We think we've got a, a bit of a battle. We've we've got
4: 120 playing in Europe. They would have 500. It shapes is a pretty interesting test anyway because Wales have been struggling and and they're um like they've only just scraped home against Japan the other week, 33-30. So um, both both teams have got questions going forward.
2: But isn't it good for world rugby though, seeing all these sides? So tight, and, you know, Japan beat South Africa in the World Cup, and all these, you know, Scotland just been winning on the weekend, and Arge- Scotland beat Arges- Argentina, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, like. It's,
1: it's it, it showcases at this time of the year more than any other just how strong rugby is globally yeah. when you look at those results. And, you know, Japan were unlucky to lose that game. Unlucky to lose that game. Drew, drew, 30, drew level, 30 apiece. Drop goal. Yeah. A little uh, sneaky drop. The to only get disappointing thing about all
2: of these games for me has been watching Fiji get you know heavily beaten in most mm. games. I just think we're all benefiting from the Fijians. Every side's got a Fiji on the wing. And you think... At some
1: stage, well, there was, it was two v two last yeah, weekend. France versus Australia, Australia and there's France. four Fijian wingers. You know, yeah,
2: starting. I think the game has a responsibility to help those teams because we've been we've been bleeding the islands dry for years. So I really think that, you know, we've got a responsibility in Australia and New Zealand to to try and turn that around. And you know, Fiji is such wonderful talent, but we've got to allow them to be playing for Fiji.
1: Well said. Mm. well said. Well said, Horsley. Appreciate it. Um, so, New Zealand have a game this week as well. They are up against Le Bleu, their old sparring partners. I expect New Zealand to go up this weekend. You fellas? Oh. Yeah, you just...
2: Yeah, I agree. But again, the French, their best games are generally always against the All Blacks. Like, All Blacks'
1: last game of the year. Yeah. Finish with some pop. And
2: yeah. then
1: South Africa v Wales, our other one. And... Uh, any other big games we should be looking forward to on the weekend? Christy on the early hours of Sunday morning. That's a pretty good lineup. New Zealand v. France, Australia v. Ireland, Wales v. South Africa. That'll, that'll get you going across the back end of November. Now, fellas, that brings to a close another hit of our podcast. Next week, I'm going to be in the desert in Dubai covering off the Australian women's run at a third straight Dubai title. Uh, so I won't we be here. Squad we, squad was announced. Squad was this announced morning. this morning. The we've we've got the women's squad locked away. Tiana Penetani back in Aussie colours, back on the series. Well done T and a few new faces as well. Yet to see the men's, but I expect there to be a few changes in the men's side as well as they look to launch with a win in Dubai. Do you want to give me a shout over there and see how we go? Do you want us to call you? I, I think it can be can arranged. You I can call you. Can yeah. you call me? Yeah. me on the hotel, uh, hotel uh Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that, we'll eh? We'll do that, yeah. So, okay, well, I'll bring you the latest from over there. Send and, us a number. i um, flick you the deets. You doing anything over there? Send you the deets. I'm commentating. Apart from commentating? I'm commentating. You know what? I'm going to write some articles for the website when I'm over there. Cracking. I'll bang a few. I'm going to try and... There's s- an indoor skiing. I know. No, isn't there one? Mate, you? you should see the Dubai Mall. It's ridiculous. Why
2: don't you go and but do that?
1: Do you want me to go to indoor skiing? I'd
2: like you to improve your snowboarding because if we hopefully get to go next year, I, don't know that way, you <laughs> I want not you to be, be able going, to keep up with your a t- team know that
1: you and I going to be going snowboarding <laughs> anytime soon. The fact that Diana Pentatone can actually still play rugby after you took her snowboarding in Perisher <laughs> is, it's remarkable. She got
2: caught on a rather nasty traverse. But you know what? first day she got through and I think, She's tougher for it, personally. Yeah, I mentally.
1: Um, okay, our thanks to Wer, for the top of the show. Christy Doran, Stephen Halls, and Owen McHugh over there in Dublin. Right now, though, it is Sean Maloney saying enjoy the Aussies taking on the Irish this week, and let's hope the Grand Slam's still on offer when we put ourselves in your earlobes next time round.